Monday morning show, Sportsnet 5.9 of the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. And you think Ryan Reeves has proven his worth over the first three games, taking fighting majors in two of those three. This is where Ryan Reeves is supposed to shine. This is what he oh, talked about. the fellas together. <laughs> All right. Road trips. I mean, again, you saw it when, when Austin Matthews handed him the belt mm-hmm. after uh, they were a, yelling, keep it, keep <laughs> it, after his second consecutive hat trick, and he decided, imagine, what a move. Oh, dude, God. If, he, if he had actually just kept Tavares it. Tavares would have had to rip the C off his own shirt and <laughs> give it to him right then and there, I think. It's like, uh, yeah, there's maybe some diver- deserving I, guys. I God, had another hat okay. trick, though. Like, I'm obviously keeping the belt. We all know. Someone can have it next we, week. We all know the player on the team who would do that. He would be <laughs> self-aware enough not to, but we all know the guy who would want to do that. Hmm. Ride shotgun with him. He wears one and six on his back. You think so? I do. He uh, wouldn't. They're all too self-aware to do it. Right. You don't think he'd want to. Come on. <laughs> I'm sure Austin Matthews wanted to. No, he didn't. He wanted to give it to Revo. Okay, Revo got it. And then he said, yeah, okay, thanks. Uh, yeah, we got one more game here. And then it's on the road. And they all gave him like a big cheer, understanding what was to come. The nice weather yeah. and some formidable opponents, including, again, the defending Eastern Conference champion, Florida mm-hmm. Panthers, who only got into the postseason because the the Pittsburgh Penguins lost to the Blackhawks in Game 81. Way to go. And had fewer points than the Calgary Flames, who missed the playoffs in the Western Conference. They, whatever. Do you know how much more palatable it would have felt losing to Sid? <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Something we don't talk enough about. Like Matthew Kachuk, who we all respect, but mm-hmm. it's like he's Matthew Kachuk. He's uh-huh. not Sidney Crosby. Yeah. But man, it would be a very different conversation. Like, what are you going to do? Finally Cut. get through the, that Atlantic division and then you meet Captain Canada in round two. Kyle what are you going to do? This wouldn't be their GM probably. <laughs> like the sliding doors moment of that game, honestly. And people have talked about this a lot, but of just one singular date in NHL history, like everybody goes back to that day that everybody was traded at the draft or whatever it was. Yeah. That one game, the yeah. ripple effects it has had. And not to say well, that Brad it would have... for living is right? still in Calgary. Right? Like it is nuts, the ripple effects that, that come out of that game. And while we're talking about guys being on the road, um, do they just tell... F- do they tuck Fraser Minton into bed and put on a good movie for him because he's nineteen? Yeah, I know that is. I always, it's like I, he's I on the road in America. Yeah, not that he was dying for a trip to Winnipeg no. or Ottawa. Well, why are you only waiting until this moment to bring up that very valid point? It just occurred to me. It just occurred to me. We we're talking to, to Sammy Cos about how young he is. I yeah. know he's young. I know he's nineteen. They're gonna tuck him in. Yeah. I, I've never wanted the leaf blueprint more of, of Ryan Reeves <laughs> tucking him in and leaving a glass of warm milk by be, by the bedside for him. I, I, listen, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to speak for anybody. No, you're I, not I, saying. I, I I think no. He they they may not uh, ID the no. Toronto Maple Leafs team ben. when they <laughs> they go to the most expensive steakhouse in, ben, in Sunrise, Florida. Florida, a place of laws <laughs> and rules. Where everything is between the lines and nothing ever goes astray. Oh my god! They would never. It's, it was a lifetime ago, but I, I I can distinctly remember how infuriated I I was thinking about being a 19 year old and oh. finally getting to that point where I could legally yeah. have a a drink in this country and going to the United States and thinking, does people yeah. have to wait two more years? They can ship people <laughs> off to war at 18 and they can't drink for three more years after that? Conversely, I remember being 16 in Germany and sitting down at a cafe table yeah, sure. and them going, what do you want? Me going, can I just have a second here and holding up one finger? And then they brought four huge beer for everyone at the table. So yeah. conversely, different places do it differently. 
Did I think just, I like it over there better. Yeah, no, I, 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 I did the same thing. It felt good. <laughs> uh, so we'll see if if they get off to a slow start. They look they look a little saggy in that game tomorrow night. Maybe yeah, Revo had him had him celebrating a little nope, too much. This is a this is a classic hockeyism, and we'll have Gabby on in a second. He would be able to talk to this. Sometimes it bites you, but a group playing guilty is a beautiful oh, thing. Yeah, they go out and have a time. Yeah, I don't know that that's going to happen. But if they do and they play guilty, like it would not be the first time in the world the team has had a night and they, they them knowing mm-hmm. we better show up because it's going to look so bad if we don't. No, it, and it is a thing um, that first road trip of the season, especially for a team with the some longest new faces, one of the year. Yeah, longest road trip of the season. Uh, a team that obviously. You know, home ice advantage was not an advantage for them during the postseason last year against the the Panthers. It, it not that there is a lack of chemistry over the first three games that we've seen this season, but there is there's something to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, ask any former NHL or current NHL about how important those road trips can be as far as acclimating new faces to the team who've you know been around for months and and went through preseason and yada 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 no this is it's it's an important look at uh this team going forward for the next five games yeah and especially some bigger personalities right like i don't i'm not going to pretend to know how big of one tyler bertuzzi is but max domi is clearly a guy who likes to talk you see his dad you know the type of person he is and i just think that that's a guy who can probably really ingratiate himself to a group he i imagine did it in training camp and you you see it on the road as well so yeah it's a it's a great time for these guys to uh, get familiar with one another for sure yeah, uh, they need to look better defensively than they have the first three games start. this season. I do wonder, though, how much of that five-game series against the uh, Panthers plays into the mentality going into this thing. I'm mean, like, There's going to be a ton of questions pregame about um, the lasting memories of that mm-hmm. and whether there's revenge on the mind for this Leafs team. Uh, I, I think not as much is expected of this Panthers team than uh, a season ago. Uh, but we'll see. They got the Panthers tomorrow. They got the Tampa Bay Lightning on Saturday on Hockey Night in Canada. This insider is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Today's insider is Bruce Boudreau, former Jack Adams Award winner, NHL Network analyst. How's it going, Gabby? It's going all right. You know, hockey's here, so can't be all bad. <laughs> no, it's it's been good from an entertainment standpoint as well. Um, and maybe a, as a former NHL head coach, it, it's been good. But, like, how, how are the current NHL head coaches feeling about the style of play? I, I Generally, this time of the season, you do see a lot of goal scoring. Uh, we've seen that both ways in, in these Leafs games. Is that is Does a head coach just have to accept that that's kind of the way these early games look? Well, in your in his mind, uh, the coach's mind, you know, when they're at home by themselves, they understand that this is the way the first ten games of the season goes. But when you're at the rink and you're in, and doing your job, you can't accept it because it's nowhere near what you were um, showing in preseason, showing in in training camp, and and it's uh, it's difficult sometimes to accept when you see, you know, uh, I mean, seven six games when. Um, there's missed passes all over the place and missed assignments or 5-4 games or or what have you. I mean, you want to wait. You know it's going to change because you know what your team is like, but at the same time, those first 5-10 games are are pretty brutal sometimes on a lot of teams. 
Yeah, they they certainly are. You know, one of the one of the big topics of conversation heading into this year regarding the Leafs is Sheldon Keefe. And if he's maybe a slightly different version of himself now that Kyle Dubas is no longer in the fold here in in Toronto, you know, you would have experience with this of having a team year over year and maybe you feel the message needs to be a little different. How hard is it when you have, a, you know, the bulk of a roster that's been there? And yes, there are new players who are unfamiliar with Sheldon Keefe, but, you know, let's say, and I don't think this is happening, but let's say he feels like he needs to take a new tact or a slightly different direction. I imagine it's hard to just do a 180 flip. You know, Matthews is going to be looking at him like he has two heads of, who is this guy? I've been talking to you for three years. Was that all fake? How hard is it for a coach to kind of subtly change the message year to year without, you know, it ringing unhollow is unauthentic to who that guy's been? Uh, you know, I don't think it's that difficult as long as you communicate with the players what you're trying to do. I mean, I could I could see the um, the meeting whether it's with Austin or uh, Mitch or somebody or John and saying, hey, listen, you know what? I think if we want to get to the next level, we have to do this a little bit better. There are going to be times when we're going to go back and just play the run and gun and quick ups everywhere, but I think players would accept that. Because they want to win. And if they, and like, I mean, any good coach, if they're going to try something and it doesn't work, they're going to change it back. I mean, uh, there's many times where, you know, you have an idea, you look at your personnel and you say, I think we can do this and do this. And if it doesn't work and you try to beat a dead horse and keep doing it, then you're in trouble. But when you admit, okay, listen, uh, this doesn't work, let's try something else. I, I know I've done it quite a few times where if you are trying, for example, like, a neutral zone, you just say, I really like what Nashville did last year in the one three one. I want to try that at the start of the season, but you find that your team is not getting it, then you revert back. I don't think it's a big it's, it's that big of a deal as long as you're communicating to the players what you're trying to do. What if it's not tactical changes? What if it is more in demeanor? Because, you know, I, I don't know how much of this you've paid attention to, but there have been a couple of times in the last couple of years where Keefe has offered some pretty pointed criticism and he has pretty quickly walked it back both times. There's been some belief, who knows if it's true, that that didn't come from Keefe, that that came from somewhere else in the organization. If Sheldon Keefe decides he wants to be a little more pointed in his, and I'm not talking about the individual conversations he has with the players, but public criticisms after a game, do you think that it's hard for a coach to take that? And again, I'm not talking about the tactical stuff, but more the messaging. How hard is it for that to change? Oh, I don't know. It depends. If you tell me I'm doing it wrong enough times, uh, I'm going to change. <laughs> oh, I can't Fair. You know, like, I mean, if the GM comes downstairs and says, I don't want to, I don't want to hear you doing that. Uh, it's easy to change, you know, but I mean, um, I think Sheldon has gotten through to the players. I think, They've understood that, you know, his demeanor, for the most part, isn't widely critical. There hasn't been much to be critical of the Leafs, but when he is critical, they know that they're they're upset at him, and uh, or he's upset at them, and he he quickly uh, the the team changes and gets back to to where they're supposed to be. You can't it's it's impossible to be a coach and have the respect and not be able to come down on the players. They must understand that, I mean, sometimes it's going to happen. You praise them when they're good. You, you know, you tell them they're, they're not so good when they're not so good. I mean, that's what happens. You just got to watch out that you don't make it personal. And if you make it personal, then it becomes a problem. 
he he's had this team over the last couple of years playing a pretty responsible defensive game as well, and they were they were top five in in five on five goals against last season. It hasn't looked that way through three games. There's some pretty notable personnel changes on this team, and and none of them are known for their defensive acumen. Is there still a pathway to this Leafs team returning to to a pretty responsible defensive team? I think they'll get there. I, I really do. I mean, I, like I said. The first 10 games, the, co- the coaches pull their hair out because what happens is um, in preseason, let's face it, the veterans don't really even want to play. I mean, you look at any, any sport that the preseason is just to get ready. And then all of a sudden, and the young guys are trying their butt off. And then comes the regular season, and all of a sudden the timing's up, uh, you know, uh, tenfold than it was in the preseason. So, Passes are missing. Passes are getting in their feet. Um, assignments are being blown because all of a sudden the speed of the game is picked up until it gets back into, okay, this is where we're at, and, and everything moves up to pace, which is usually about 10 games. And then everything everything should be uh, the way that you want to see it, the way the team plays. Then, you know, you go to between game 10 and 15, and that's going to be the way that they're going to probably be most of the season. You've coached some teams with some uh, tough players on it and different types of tough players. I mean, I'm just thinking of one Ducks team, but I've seen Corey Perry and I've seen George Peros. Those are very tough guys, both of them, but very different ways. The Leafs went out and added Ryan Reeves, and there's been so much talk about what he means to the team. He had a couple of fights in his first game, and then it wasn't him, but the Leafs had another fight in, in the third game there. What does it mean in the room to have a uh, an enforcer type and just that that kind of big personality that, that Reeves is? I you know I imagine you've, you've dealt with... Uh, plenty of guys like that over your career both playing and coaching oh oh yeah i think every uh, team a lot in your playing i'd imagine <laughs> you know i had donald brashear for two years uh um you've had the george i've had george peros i had him for the three years in the minors and two years at the ducks and and you can go on and on with the list but what it does it makes you feel like you've got a big brother and uh and i mean nobody's going to take advantage of you the good ones They'll sit up and they'll just uh, they'll just say, "Don't worry, you get hit." They go right back in and they take care of their better players. <laughs> and I mean, it's uh, it's it's a good feeling to have on the bench that when you know you have protection. There's not a worse feeling than going into the rink <clears throat> and not having any tough guys, and you're going into and you're playing the Broad Street Bullies or something in Philadelphia, and you know you know you're gonna get. Uh, waxed pretty good. It's, uh, it makes you a little bit shy. But when you've got a guy like Ryan Reeves on the bench and you know that you're protected, and, I mean, it feels it's a really good feeling for all of the skilled players and, and all of the players that aren't so big. Yeah, he's apparently his role is also going to be as like a team like road trip director as far as like the social convener. He's he's going to be in charge of where they go out to, to dinner, uh, and it, it'll be a, I'm sure a great road trip uh, going through Florida here. Um, but there is an, a, a sect of, of people, and obviously, you know what, the general manager is, is of this belief that there's been something missing from a team chemistry standpoint, not just the physicality, but. The, the the way these 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 guys play for each other over the last couple of years is is that something maybe not necessarily quantifiable but something that you could see is maybe being missing from from this Leafs team over the last half decade. Well, I think you know I would have had to be in the dressing room to sure. to really see what that is. I mean, uh, I don't know how how well every one of those star players and and good players and all the players and older players get along. I don't know what they're. Um, 
with their, uh, you know, what they do when the, when practice is done. I know in the past, like, I mean, years ago, the guys all hung out together. In today's world, everybody's got different, uh, uh, different things to do, whether they're, uh, they have other businesses, whether they got families and, and in big cities, they're, they're all over the place, whether they, they live in Mississauga or they Scarborough or, or where, wherever. I mean, so they got different things to do. So it's not, they don't become as close as like when you read about the, the 70 Bruins and, and um, you know, the, and the Flyers when they were winning cups on how tight these teams were. It's hard to get that tightness when you live in a big city in today's day and age. Yeah, it is. I even find some of that myself for for sure. You know, I mentioned Corey Perry earlier and you know, I'm not I'm not going to say you're astonished at this, but when you were coaching him in 2012, did you think more than a decade later he would still be this effective a player? I mean, he's not the 50 goal Hart Trophy guy, but man, is he carved out a a second prime for himself almost here. I mean, when when I close my eyes and think of Corey Perry's career, for sure going to think of the Hart Trophy, for sure going to think of the Cup, but but I think this second life that he's had is, is also a big, big part of his kind of legacy in the game. I really do. And you know what? Uh, uh, sort of surprised in, in, and not surprised at the same time. When Corey was going for that big contract when we were in Anaheim, I think he wanted 14 or 15 years. And then they, you know, they ended up going to eight years. Um, but uh, he had told um, uh, Bob Murray, I remember this, uh, very well that he said he wanted to play and he thought he could play into his 40s. And, I mean, at the time, it was like, come on, Corey, you're not the greatest skater and all these <laughs> things. And, and But, I mean, it's like Pavelski to me. I mean, Pavelski, uh, his skating has never been his big thing. And he hasn't slowed down, but he hasn't sped up. He's just not a good skater. Corey Perry's the same way. But he knows how to be the, the big dink in the crowd i'll tell you that he knows how to push the button he knows when to go after you when not to go after you and i still think i mean he's got a great touch when he when he has it he knows how to create stuff and i mean he is a hockey uh just he's like a rink rat and i mean he loves the game and he's always around it he's not very he doesn't talk a lot but i mean he was a true leader with us and and i see that and i can see as a disturber he is as good as anybody in the league for a guy that's six foot three and he can take care of himself and he doesn't shy away from the tough stuff like i mean he'll do things like i don't know if you guys remember the water bottle or the the incident with patrick waugh and myself uh in colorado a number of years ago but I mean, it was Corey Perry with the water bottle squirting it in his face that was starting everything. Like, you know, and he'd come in, and uh, the next game he'd come in, and and he'd uh, press on the glass, and he'd come over to me, and he'd say, "Okay, it's okay if he comes after you. The glass is in. It's tough." I mean, humor, humorous like that. But I mean, he came to play, and that's the one, the greatest gift I think you can have is Corey Perry comes to play every night and like I mean me and my wife were talking about him last night as to and it's funny that you bring him up is is that is he a Hall of Fame candidate and and we had to do a lot of thinking but when you look at what he's done and what he's accomplished I think he's I think he's right on the edge of being in the Hall of Fame and especially the way he continues to lead 
um, you know, every team he's been on, whether it's Tampa, Montreal, uh, or, or now Chicago, it's in a little different situation in, in Chicago, but I mean, uh, he's, uh, he's a leader and he's, he's a really good, good person and good player. I'm rewatching you and Patrick Waugh, uh, right now. And like Patrick, <laughs> like he, he like knocked down the, the, what were you not afraid that the glass yeah, was going to like big land boy, on Bruce. you? I was looking over and going, "Where's my assistance? I need help over here." <laughs> but if you'll if you'll notice, Corey Perry is the one closest to the glass yes, there, and like it. he's got that water bottle and he's chirping and he's <laughs> squirting it at Patrick Waugh's face. He's just sticking him right off. Yeah, he's smartly like got his head out of the way of the glass, which is being pushed over towards you. But yeah, man, th- thank you for reminding me of, of of one of the most iconic moments uh, in head coaching history. Love that, uh, Gabby. Uh, thanks for doing this. Anytime, guys. Anytime. Uh, there's Bruce Boudreau, former Jack Adams Award winner, NHL Network analyst. He is our insider, and he is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit. DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Yeah, that was a th- I hadn't watched that mm-hmm. video in years and years. It's been a while. Stained. Okay, yeah. We, we need some more head coach well, we have, brouhaha's. We have the coaches for it now. Mm-hmm. Like Bednor, Weapon, mm-hmm. Rod. Like his name is literally Rod the Bod. Yeah. Just those two right there. Let's go. <laughs> I want to see it. I want the... Uh, or, or even I would even, and I know the NHL just put out a thing. They like called all, I actually read a piece yesterday that about that NHL coaches meeting they had where they basically called them all to uh, Chicago to say, tiss, tiss, stop yelling at the refs. What I would give for another, have another donut soundbite mm. from a coach just screaming that at an official either. We do need a little more of these colorful coaches back. I mean, Wad did it. I'm trying to remember who's the Flames coach. Oh, Jim Playfair when he just mm. lost it through the bench mm-hmm. on the, like a piece of the bench he threw on the ice. Oh, that was good. That was good. There was uh, on Craig the other McTavish side grabbing the Harvey the, the Hound's tongue. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that was a good, good one. Yeah, good too. We yeah. need it. Tortorella attacking yeah. people in tunnels. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Shane O'Brien was right in the 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 middle of that. I've talked to him about that before. Yeah. So uh, yeah, a lot, a lot there. And uh, but yeah, the league clearly trying to uh, tiss tiss it, which is a shame. We need characters. We do. Yeah, I we talked about this with baseball managers. Like, yeah, no one go. Well, I mean, when I was when I was seven, going to a Jays game and it was against the Devil Rays, definitely Lou Pinella was like at least a small part of the appeal. No one goes to a game to watch a manager, but in a long season, you know, just having these characters, right. Sparky Anderson, Jim Leland, My God. You know, Lou no, Pinella. I understand the reasoning for it is that you, you need to have yeah some respect for the officiating that they're they, I, I guess. if it continues to build the I guess the fan the fear is that the fan base will have less faith in the officials mm-hmm. that they're making the correct calls. But yeah, to your point, this is the way I, I view all officials across all pro sports. That's what the money is for. You you should that's I, you get yelled at. You get I sworn at. I hate a a tech or a 10 minute misconduct or a bench miner for you said a mean word to me. Yeah. Eat it. Literally your job yep. is to eat that. No, that's what there the is, for. There's obviously a line. Mm, is there like, yeah, <laughs> physically there is. I don't Physi- know if there's anything. No, that can, like uh, if you're yelling at a ref, like I hope X, Y, and Z happens suppose, to your family. Yes. It's All like, right, okay, okay, maybe sure. dial that in. But if you're just yelling it about him, I yeah. don't know. A couple of swears. Like, oh, come on. a lot of swears. Yeah. I, I listen, I'm I, Sheldon I, Keith. Then don't do that. It's mean. If, it's if, bad. If you don't like it, uh, I'll, I'll, 
be more than willing to take your spot. Like, oh, I, and there's a lot of people that would. Oh, okay. I, I thought you were offering to pay Sheldon Keith's fine, and I was about to ask how much you got paid. That's no, what no, I no, thought was happening no, there. no, okay. no, no, certainly not. But Sheldon, like, I know we think of him as kind of a button-down, like, yeah. analytics nerd dude. Like, there's a lot roiling I underneath Sheldon Keith. Like, because uh, yeah, he's been associated with yeah, Dubas. Know, That's why he's a hockeyman's hockeyman. Yeah, I he know. wanted to. He shook the OHL commissioner's hand, and I won't say the exact quote, but he was talking trash to the OHL commissioner after winning <laughs> the championship. <laughs> okay, played in the NHL, <laughs> coached in Pembroke. Yeah, hockeyman. Okay, yeah, yeah he he's got that in him. He's got All that right. dog. Yeah, he does have that dog in him. Speaking of a couple of dogs, dynamic duo of John Mullaney and Pete Davidson are coming to Casino Rama Resort on November 9th. And we are giving away tickets all week long to enter. All you have to do is tune into episodes of the Fan Morning Show, uh, listen for the code word, then text the code word to five ninety five ninety. Today's code word is Pete. Text Pete to 590-590 right now to enter for your chance to win. We'll be giving away another pair of tickets tomorrow, but if you don't win with us, you can secure your tickets at Ticketmaster.ca. When we come back, uh, our pal, the great Adnan Verk of MLB Network and the Cinephile Podcast as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 5.9, The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. I mean, the Rangers have played one home game this postseason, but just one. And it was uh, the series clinching, uh, clinching victory over the Baltimore Orioles where they scored seven runs in a 7-1 victory. Nate Evaldi with one of his three spectacular postseason starts. Uh, he was on the hill for game two in Houston, getting out of a bases-loaded, none-out jam in the fifth inning as uh, the Rangers look to take a 3-0 series stranglehold lead over the defending champion Houston Astros, they played the Galaxy brain game by losing the final game of the regular season, losing the American League West, and putting themselves in position to uh, win the American League either way. Let's talk to our pal Adnan Verk, MLB Network, and the Cinephile Podcast. Good morning, Adnan. Ben, Brent, how you doing? It's doing great to chat with you as always. Uh, yeah, it's great to chat. Well, you know what? Maybe we'll we'll get to the ALCS in just a second. Let's go back to the NLCS because we saw game two and, and the... The Phillies doing what they've done all postseason long, which is hit a trillion home runs. Uh, 14 over a four-game span is the most anyone's ever hit over a four-game span in uh, Major League Baseball playoff history. And you know Philly fans, right? Like, I know you live in the New York area, but you're a fan of all the Philadelphia sports teams for whatever reason. They feel different. They're, they're Like, the, these Philly fans, I, I know they're good fans, like, when the team is good, but even when the team was not that good and Trey Turner was certainly not good, they were cheering him. That Like, they, they just feel different, maybe just in an overall sense, but specifically with this Phillies team. Yeah, maybe we'll we'll get a sense of what it's like when the Leafs one day win the Stanley Cup. Like, maybe you get spoiled by finally winning, and then you go from being hard-edged and cynical to lovey-dovey. And I, I don't know if the Phillies have quite made that turn, but... I don't know who else would have thought Trey Turner on August 4th would get a standing ovation after playing miserably the first half of the year. And then he responds to it by playing brilliantly the rest of the way. And he's been you know, coming in the last night at 14 to 28, hitting 500, a couple home runs, and, of course, goes deep yesterday. So it's been an amazing story, Ben and Brent. Honestly, like watching what's happened in the city of Philadelphia, um, you know, I was there a couple weeks ago for the Eagles-Commanders game, and that, that area really is like the nexus of the sporting universe. Last night they had the soccer match, which was – 
50,000 with the German national team. You had a little Flyers, Canucks. Flyers look great. Carter Hart shut out, 2 nothing win. And then, of course, the Phillies game. You had 150,000 fans in one area. They didn't have that since, like, 08 when uh, it was Flyers, Canucks at the Wachovia Center. Uh, Joe Blanton and the Phillies won game four, and the Eagles had beaten the Cardinals, I believe. So it's really cool to see. And like you said, that, that atmosphere is so raucous. You know, talking to any of the players or talking to J.P. Morosi, people that are there, they said it's, it's honestly it's tough to, to really quantify because you see opposing pitchers impacted. You know, Zach Allen's a really good pitcher and ultimately wasn't able to fare well. Similarly, Merrill Kelly did pitch well, but victim to the gopher ball. That team hits home runs, which has been a story of this postseason. Teams to outhold them in the opposition end up winning the games. So it's, uh, it's an amazing place to be right now. If, uh, if indeed they win a couple more games, I'll be there for the World Series, and I can't wait to experience it firsthand. Yeah, that would be uh, that'd be awesome for you and awesome for the people of Philly. And I'm just such a big believer in like if a city has success. And I know the Eagles didn't win the whole thing last year, but it just kind of bleeds into the fan base of not expecting to lose. And to your point about Toronto, it's like the Raptors won the title in 2019. Then the whole world shut down. And uh, other than the Leafs uh, winning a series against Tampa, no one's won a playoff game uh, since. So it, it is it is kind of a, uh, a snowball effect there. You know, it's funny. We, we talk a little bit about this Phillies team, like they're a team of destiny. And, you know, sometimes I roll my eyes at that stuff. But then sometimes Trey Turner makes an error in the first inning. And I say, oh, is this the game they're going to lose and then he goes deep in the in the bottom of the first like it really really does feel like this Phillies team can just do no wrong and even there when they step in it in the first inning they get out of the jam Nola's great and it's Turner who goes deep uh, not even the guys we're we're typically talking about not that he lacks for power no for sure I mean if you look at this offense I think naturally your eyes go to Bryce Harper who goes deep on his birthday and that great celebration as he crosses the plate with the 3-1 blowing up the candles Cassianos has been unbelievable, and the guy's sitting seventh. Like he, he's just—he's doing what Reggie Jackson did: five homers in three games in terms of doing it in the playoffs. And that's the straw that stirs the drink. And there's Nick at night batting seventh, as my friend Dan Plesac calls him. And I think you look at Schwarber naturally—you know, not a conventional leadoff hitter, but a guy that will just ambush you out of the gate. And he did that to, to Gallon again. I, I, I feel for Gallon because his approach is to throw strikes. And then the Phillies approach clearly was whenever he throws a strike, he hit it hard. Yeah. So he's filling up the zone. They just went and hit home runs right away. So I was saying to, to Harold Reynolds and, and um, Bill Ripken yesterday, like, what do you do as a pitcher? Do you say, well, these guys are clearly overly aggressive. So do you kind of waste a pitch? Do you pitch outside the zone? Do you throw more off speed, throw changeups to start? And they say, well, you know, ultimately, you can't worry about what they do best. You've got to worry about what you do best, right? It's one thing to say, well, they can't hit the curve, but if you don't throw a very good curve, you're going to hang it. You're going to be in trouble. So. I think it's a tough spot for the opposition, and, and specifically the Trey Turner, like you said. He's not a guy that you think of as having a lot of power. Like a couple of years ago, someone said to me, like, who's a guy, you know, old school, gets a lot of contact, but doesn't hit home runs? And I mistakenly said Trey Turner. And I looked it up, I'm like, wait, he has like 25 home runs. I'm like, no, he, he does have power. Should like, have been Luis Arise. In fact, Luis Arise would be the right answer. I'm like, no, Trey Turner actually does have power. So when guys like him are clicking, you look up and down that lineup, even Alec Bohm, I think was hitting like 158 going into last night, and he hit a couple balls hard. So. They're really, I mean, especially that top three. Good luck. You're not, you're not going to find a, a weakness there. And then Real Muto hit six. He hit a couple of hits yesterday. So it's, um, it, it's a really tough challenge, I think, for the opposition pitchers who to pitch to. I think the D-backs knew they were in trouble going in. Yeah. Credit to them. They, they, they took care of the Dodgers, but I think they, they were very aggressive in taking care of a wounded opponent, right? The Dodgers' starting pitching was terrible. Mm-hmm. First shot goes to third. Bobby Miller's just a kid. Uh, Lance Lynn always gives up home runs. In this situation, they just looked outclassed. And to your point, Brent, whether or not it's a team of destiny, they definitely feel like a juggernaut. Like, I don't, I don't see any team stopping the Phillies this year. 
Yeah, and, and Zach Allen had a, a great season. And uh, I mean, to your point about throwing strikes, like I even in game one, I I felt like that uh, early game uh, RBI opportunity that Bryce Harper had after hitting the home run, they they threw him a first pitch breaking ball off the inside corner. It didn't matter. He, he swung at it and put it into into right field for an RBI single. Anyways, you 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 just you can't pitch to this team even if you're not trying to to throw strikes. Uh, speaking of Bryce Harper, who notably. Did not hit a home run yesterday, despite the fact that uh, he has gone yard more than a few times this postseason. We were having the conversation earlier on, Adnan, about um, a couple of co- a couple of guys that have been compared to each other throughout the course of their entire careers, and like in an overall statistical counting sense, Mike Trout, there's no debate, has been better than Bryce Harper. But man, you, you throw in the postseason success, and it hasn't resulted in a World Series championship yet, but he was in one last year. He's had so many moments now in the postseason. Whose career would you rather have, Bryce Harper's or Mike Trout's? Well, Bryce Harper. I mean, uh, I think they're both going to the Hall of Fame, and Trout's certainly a three-time MVP, but Harper's a two-time MVP. And as you importantly mentioned, Ben, he's had the postseason moments. I mean, his numbers, he, he's the greatest postseason hitter in Philly's playoff history of a minimum of 20 games. I'm looking at his numbers last night. He hits 438. He's, again, 1120 OPS. Like, it's crazy. He's a, an absolute money player and somebody who steps up in the, when, uh, when the stars are brightest. And for Trout, he's only had one playoff appearance. It was three games. I believe he hit 200. You know, it, it really mirrors Ted Williams. You know, Ted Williams, in many ways, the greatest hitter who ever lived, overshadowed by DiMaggio, won three MVPs. And Ted only had one spot in the World Series and did not fare well. It just wasn't. Just didn't wasn't able to perform, and it bothered him until the end of his days. And so you have to hope for Mike Trout; he'll get more opportunities in the playoffs. Obviously, back then there was only the World Series, so you would think Mike would get a chance at some point, especially if he leaves the Angels. But yeah, I mean they they both came up with a lot of hype, but but I think Harper in some ways had more pressure on him, right? Tom Verducci, my colleague and friend, had that SI cover mm-hmm. story, and and people kind of thought at one point it went from Bryce a little bit overrated, you know, it was not worth a thirteen-year, three hundred million dollar contract. And instead, it's absolutely paid dividends. Like, we're, we're five years into that deal now. And I, I wouldn't say it's a bargain. I mean, I think he gets paid a lot of mm. Whoops. No. We need the drop from Wakenrake there. Whoops. That's what we needed. <laughs> I wonder I wonder how Mike Trout would have fared as a pilot in the Korean Whoops. War. Like uh, Ted yeah. Williams did. Yeah, Good job, Sam, man. Um, That's all I could think of. I'm like, how would he have fared in the Korean War, though? But I always think of a Ted Williams. I was like, he's a great fighter pilot, too. Yeah, God. Ted Williams, uh, he he did some things, including, like, not being a big fan of the fans in Boston and hitting a home run in his final game Mm -hmm. uh, as a Major League Baseball player and then finally returning to Boston um, in in one of the greatest scenes in in not even recent baseball memory. But, yeah. Ted Williams uh, was pretty good. Didn't hit a ball as far as Rowdy Telez did, though, at, at Fenway. Honestly, <laughs> you don't like that myth? Dude, when I when I think of Ted Williams, I think of him from a Blue Jays perspective. And there, <laughs> I, I don't know if people remember this. Over the but, Red Sea? Yeah. yeah, that Rowdy Telez hit a ball further than uh, Ted Williams uh, apparently hit his longest home run at Fenway Park. Are we got uh, Adnan back. Hey, buddy. I thought you were going to say when you think of Ted Williams, I think of his severed head. Like, this is mm, yeah, the ultimately bizarre story of what happened in his passing. But, yeah, Rowdy Telez also going to answer my point being when it comes to Bryce Harper. He, he just delivered, man. Like, if you looked, if you quantified how many season tickets he sold, jerseys sold, yep. and then, of course, the stuff you can't quantify, just the buzz around the team and the excitement. I mean, he's he's been incredible. He really has been worth a $300 million contract they gave him. And, and I love the fact he's a team player. Like, that part kind of goes underlooked in some ways. Quickest ever from Tommy John. Hey, I'll play first base, no problem. Like, I don't think people realize how hard it is to learn a new position. 
And this isn't like the first base of the 80s. Where like, oh, you know, you put mm-hmm. the worst athlete. They're like, no, like he's, he's involved in every play. And from what I've seen, he plays a pretty good first base. And I think it's going to continue for him. That's, that's going to help extend his career now. Less wear and tear on his body. So he's a total team player, total package for the Phillies. Whoever played Ron Washington in Moneyball, like they look worse and worse by the day. That yeah, it's not <laughs> extremely difficult apparently to play uh, first base. All right, so uh, ALCS game three tonight. I mentioned uh, Rangers playing just their second home game of this postseason. Uh, they're up two nothing on the defending World Series champions. The, the man, the, the conversation around these parts has been about the the manager and the general manager uh, of the Blue Jays and. It is. It's not lost on me that the two oldest managers in Major League Baseball uh, have their teams in positions to be in the championship uh, series and against each other. And Bruce Bochy um, uh, being the guy that's up two games to none after retiring and then returning to action uh, with this this Rangers team that hasn't. It's not been smooth sailing since he returned to uh, the role of skipper in in the major leagues. But this year, it feels like it's paying dividends. And I know, Adnan, the, 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 the trend in baseball is to, to hire the internal guy, the, the young guy that's going to activate the game plan the way you want it to happen, who knows about analytics. But is there a lesson to be learned here with a couple old heads having success in the postseason? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something to it, man. I mean, the, the job that Chris Young has done, taken over as the executive in charge, there's been nothing short of amazing. I mean, he's... Jettison's John Daniels. He certainly spent a ton of money, but I think it's one thing to spend money. It's another thing to spend wisely. You know, the Rangers' payroll was $250 million. They went up by $100 million. But the top three teams ahead of them all missed the playoffs, Yankees, Mets, and Padres. It's one thing to spend. It's another thing to spend wisely. And, you know, he first focused on half a billion dollars on Simeon and Seager, so let's focus on that up the middle. And then he really went out and focused on pitching. And what I loved about it was it wasn't just one guy. You know, the Orioles clearly needed some better starting pitching. They get one guy in Jack Flaherty, and he wasn't even close to being the answer. They said, no, no, we're going to get DeGrom. And when he fell apart, we're going to go get Scherzer, and we're going to get Montgomery. Like, we, we don't just rely on one guy. And sure enough, Scherzer gets. Sure enough. Yeah, sure enough. Uh, Adnan an departs. And you know what? That's okay. We'll, 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 Oops. we'll, we'll talk to him. Next week, probably. Oh, I will need his thoughts on how he thinks Mike Mike Trout would fare as a fighter pilot. Just while we're doing the yeah, comparisons, there, we'll have to I, I weigh mean, in on that. I mean, for that, we should probably get my dad on. He's a retired uh, pilot. Like I at least he could weigh in. Like bring I'm, bring this there. I, I will I say, want to know this. I I will say that one thing in Mike Trout's favor mm. is that part of and listen, no big deal. Yeah. I also have my private pilot's license. Ooh. Part of the training to become a pilot is an understanding of meteorology. And he's all over. I, that. He's, uh, apparently okay. got it already. So a step in the in the right direction for Mike Trout. I another thing with him and like we're going to talk about this a lot this offseason because hopefully he pushes the issue here, but for all the talk about Shohei and getting him in a market that matters, Please, God, get this guy in a market that matters because I want to have the conversation one way or another. I mm-hmm. want to do the Harper thing with this guy where he is, everything that was promised, or quite frankly, I would love nothing more than do the other thing. He gets traded to the Yankees and it never works mm-hmm. and he just You're never has the success. Yeah, oh I'm a big hater. You would of course. prefer that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> duh. Like, do you, okay. Do you think he's well, getting not, traded to the Blue Jays, Ben? Okay. Then what's the well, preferable outcome here, I honestly? All right. Yeah. Yeah. You said the Yankees. All right. I yeah, okay. It. It's like, sure, he could be a Met, and I guess that's fun. Yeah. I'd be okay with that, but let's be honest. Mm-hmm. What'd be more fun? Like, would you have more fun talking about a Mike Trout 
coming-of-age story in the playoffs and he's doing it for the billionaire so, Stevie Cohen, or is it more fun if he is never the guy? I've had this thought, and I've probably even done this conversation about Mike Trout when it comes to the postseason, mm-hmm. and like, is he watching the playoffs and thinking, man, that should be me, and it isn't me year over year, and I gotta get the hell out of here, and, and that conversation hasn't been all that realistic, honestly, over the last couple of years, because one... The Angels have tried. It's not for like a lack of trying. Like they did sign Joy Otani. They've spent money. They spent unwisely to, on Anthony Rendon. Well, that's what I was going to say. To Adnan's point, it's always on the brightest, shiniest bobble. And yeah. sometimes it's Shohei. <laughs> yeah. Good on you. Yeah. Well, the other guy, not so much. So, so that's been previous incarnations of this Angels team. And you could, at the beginning of the season, always squint and say, well, you know, like there are pieces there. They play in that awful division. Like, yeah, maybe they can make the – you would think that at some point they're going to have at least a chance to make the playoffs over the, the the tenure of the greatest player in the history of the sport's career, and it just hasn't happened. But this offseason is different because it's not just like Shohei Otani going to wave goodbye. It's not just like yet another log on the fire as far as a losing <laughs> season, not even just like not making the playoffs. But it's a, a very lose. hot fire. It's – it's yeah. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's raging. Um, but it's also – this is, I, I know a long time ago that the regular season ended, but like one of the immediate stories we got at the end of the year was, hey, maybe the Angels are like open to coming to Mike Trout and saying, hey, do you want to go somewhere? Like, if Because he has entire control mm-hmm. over his career because he's a, a 10 and 7 guy. He's He's been in the major leagues for 10 years and 7 with one team consecutively. So he can veto any trade that is put forth in front of him. What a union. God. Yeah, I mean that's a long time. That 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 it clause is. makes a lot of sense. Uh, but yeah, they're yeah, very go tell an NBA year. player that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but yeah, this is the first time that I think it's a really it's a, it's a fair conversation to have about him, and and not that you can you can totally criticize the player if he decides, yeah, you know what, I, I'm I'm just comfortable here, and I want to come back, and I believe in this Angels team, and you know I built a life here. But maybe you feel that way. <sighs> I I think this is the first time there can be legitimate conversations about Mike Trout's desire to win. If, in fact, it's being laid at his feet Mm -hmm. and there's a trade out there, which is another question. Like, there's we talked about how much money is left on that Mike Trout contract. A lot. He's still Mike Trout, but he's not like Mike Trout. He's like Mike (laughs) Trout. Like yeah. capital M, capital T, but but not not all caps. Yeah, not all caps and no exclamation point at the end. He's just like, he's Mike Trout. And you say, <laughs> Mike Trout, if he stays healthy, too. It's yeah, like, definitely he, part that's, of that. that's him. He's like, Jake McCabe, $2 million. It's like, <laughs> Mike Trout, if he's healthy. So, like, maybe the suitors are are not what you would think they would be for Mike Trout with all that money left, and there would be some eating of the rest of his contract. But I think there's a more legitimate conversation this offseason, if in fact it gets out there that not only are the Angels open to having that conversation, they're directly having it with Mike Trout because they're like, we got to try something else here. We're already waving goodbye to show, hey, like our fans are going to hate us either way. So let's let's just move on. Let's 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 recoup the assets that we could have got in trading Shohei at the deadline with you, generational star. I think then the criticism of Mike Trout's willingness to win. I think that's it reaches a boiling point. Yeah, I think the thing that's going to save him from that regard is the ticket left. And yeah, he's Mike Trout. Like, let's not understand what that is, but it's a big, big ticket left. Like, there's a very small pool of teams that you're looking at. And if it becomes that 
well, I don't want to go to the one team that's going to pony up, then I think people feel differently about it. Let's just say hypothetically it's, I do not want to be, and I I don't think he would say this, but I don't want to be a Yankee. I think he would love to be a Yankee or or something along those lines. But if it's one team he doesn't want to go to, I think people say, okay, that's fine. You can have one place you don't want to go. But if it is a pool of suitors and it's the Dodgers who are right up the road or something, then I think you have to criticism. Because if I... I'm going to criticize Shohei if he goes signs in a market that doesn't care all that much. I'm definitely going to criticize Mike Trout if he knowingly stays in a place where he can never win. What about... Okay, I'm about to break your brain. Please. Phillies win the World Series. Mm -hmm. But Mike Trout does the the Kevin Durant thing and says... Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Trade me to my hometown. I'd love it. I'd love it so much. (laughs) Oh, because it'd be both. He would want to win and I get to kill him. I mean, But it's an individual sport. It's like, does it even matter? It just gets him to play his part. Oh, Please let that happen. <laughs> Please. And then you could, we could have a series where Harper's doing stuff mm-hmm. and Trout isn't. I know. I know. I just only envision hater scenarios. I, I am know. who I am. Sorry. That's the hater scenario. The the most optimistic scenario with that trade taking place is that the Phillies get to the World Series yet again, oh, but he's lose the piece. it. And, and which is actually the Kevin Durant scenario because they, they didn't win despite winning 73 games during the regular season the, the year they that he arrived. They yeah, had they had one. one, but not the direct year that he no. arrived. Just thought with just with all the same guys <laughs> that didn't go anywhere. But yeah, it's but totally different. That, that would be... <laughs> I mean, there, there's no better scenario to, in my mind's eye. And, and, you know, it's a long baseball season. They wouldn't win 130 games. No. But who wouldn't view... That Phillies team next year as like the the super team, the generational yeah. team in Major League Baseball. I, I well, they're gonna have to trade something away yes. to get but Mike what Trout. If, what if he's a Dodger and then they're just a postseason choker team and it's oh him and Kershaw goodness. doing the Spider Man meme at each other? You're right. Like the Dodgers one is a, is Which, a great like. Scenario. Okay, Dodgers miss out on Shohei. Hmm, what else can we do? <laughs> or would they get them both? Yeah, right. <laughs> God. That, would, that would be ideal, too. Get me to the baseball offseason. I'm so excited. <laughs> I just... Only I, for it to bleed on. In, no, they've been better. I was about to say only for it to bleed on into January. And that's not true. That's a that's a three years ago criticism of baseball. They do sign guys somewhat soonish now. Uh, I want to get to a couple of texts, please, before we depart. Again, you can hit us up, uh, 590-590. We're checking the text th- throughout the course of the program. Uh, unknown texter says, if Reeves doesn't scream in Florida's goalie's face after Toronto scores, he's dead to me. Love it. Good love. <laughs> Sign me up for it. If you are if you maybe have a short memory or you didn't see it, that, yeah, during the preseason, wasn't it at the golf tournament, the, the Leafs golf tournament yeah. before the season, Ryan Reeves was asked, hey, what would you do if uh, you know, uh, Gudis yelled in your goalie's face after scoring a goal? He said, it's not happening with me, except that like he wouldn't have been on the ice right, in the deciding sure. moment of overtime in a, in a postseason game. But yeah, that would be, I mean, that's you want to talk about ideal scenarios for Mike Trout, that would be... Yeah, Ryan Reeves scoring and then screaming in Sergei Bobrovsky's face. Oh, yes, a little tip tip off his butt that he had nothing to do with and then screaming in Bob's face. Very here for it. He had an offensive moment on Monday against the the Blackhawks. Had at least a couple of shots on goal. It's going to happen. His first goal that he scores this season. Better be at home. Please let it be. Well, it's always a home game wherever they are. But let it be at home. (laughs) That's true. Tomorrow night is definitely going to be a home game. And then I want to get to... Jeremy in Mississauga, who I our mean, man, he hit all the talking points of of this show. I mean, uh, Jeremy 
is our mascot, seemingly. Uh, he uh, texted in, just used good morning as I left the drive-thru. I got a, wor- a weird look like, what a loser. <laughs> he probably thinks Kawhi Leonard's birthday is September 17th, which is, I guess, I mean, if you were coming up with a text in a bingo card. the lab that, that, that we were going to read on the show, that would be it. I think Shout he was the guy you, who bit you, Jeremy. I think he's the one who bit you, though. So he's trying to get back in your good graces, I think. Oh. I could you- be wrong. But I think that's who it was who got you. Oh, it was. Okay, I'm getting a thumbs up on the other side of the glass. All right, good one, Uh, And I'm just going to throw this out here. Uh, To the guy who every day texts in Trout for Guerrero, not going to happen. We're just (laughs) going to say that. Bob in Burlington, God love you on the text line. Not going to happen. I mean, it's it's not going to happen. It's not. Okay, good. But, I mean, I'll have the conversation. If if the Blue Jays accept all of Mike Trout's freight, Mm Mm-hmm which I don't know if they'd be willing to do, especially considering the injury track record of the player mm-hmm. that has like another decade yeah, of, decade. of yes. 37 30, million. Uh, seven years to 30. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense for the Angels you know, to have a Guerrero again wearing that uniform and a guy that can be the face of the frame. All right. Maybe I, I don't hate easy. it. Okay. I don't. I don't. He likes it, Bob. All right. Maybe more of that tomorrow. All right. Uh, this has been the Fan Morning Show. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Good, Good morning. morning.